you'll please turn in your copy of your scriptures to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 30, and how husbands are to really love their wives. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 30, if you want to get the Bible in the chair back in front of you, I believe it's on page 979. All right, men, make sure you're awake. If you need to stand in the back of the room, whatever it takes. <laughs> Here we go. This is God's word to us, a special instruction here to the church, to husbands. And in this, we will find the gospel clearly proclaimed. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us this morning. Husbands. Love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor and without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, and that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Let's pray. Father, what, what high and lofty Commands and duties are given here for husbands. Lord, who, who, can, who can measure up? Christ measures up. So help us to look to him now as we gain strength from your word. Teach us the truth here. Help us to conform our hearts and our minds to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What is love? How do we define it? How, how can we possibly define love? Since man has been able to speak and to write, there have been poets and authors and playwrights and movie producers who have spent lifetimes trying to define love and to tell us what love is like. But, but what really is love? Is it a mere feeling? Or is it something much deeper? Something much more practical? Something much more in depth than we could ever imagine? And I believe this is where the Bible, this is where the Scriptures help us. This is the main place that we are to go to understand the meaning of love. And the key for us to understanding the meaning of love is found in verse 25. Look there where the Apostle Paul says, Husbands, to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Christ gave himself up. In Ephesians, I mean, in Romans chapter 5, we read earlier elsewhere, the Apostle Paul describes it this way, that God shows his own love for us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here is love. Here it is defined for us. Love incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ, the the love of God that is vast as the oceans, broader than the sea, as high as the heavens are above the earth. This is love. It's It does something. It's a love that demonstrates itself. It's a love that in this case is so great that it would would die for someone. And this love has something very profound to say to husbands this morning. We looked at for the last few weeks the the biblical commands, the biblical instructions given to wives and how that was summarized by that one word, submit. And we studied at length how this duty is actually a beautiful duty designed by the Lord for the good and joy of all brothers and sisters in Christ, but particularly to wives who are called to relate to their husbands in this godly way by submitting as the church does to Christ. But for the husband, his biblical duty is also summarized, too, by a single word. And that word is die. That word is die. Wives are called to submit, but husbands are called to die. This call to die is not a a literal death, but a figurative one, an illustration, a way to demonstrate the type of love that a husband is to show towards his wife. I'm particularly grateful to C.S. Lewis and his work called The Four Loves. If you've never read that, I encourage you to to read it. You can also, I think, listen to it on audio. And in his book, The Four Loves, he outlines the four Greek words for love. And the whole point he's trying to make is it's really hard to define. (laughs) The Greeks had four words to describe the type of love that the Scriptures use and that we use in everyday life. And each definition of love has a a very powerful but also a different and profound meaning. And so specifically, Lewis is trying to show us that in English, love can mean really anything and everything. So we must define it. We must... Define what we're talking about when we talk about love. We must know what kind of love that we're talking about, especially here in Ephesians 5. Uh, The late John Stott helps us get to the heart of the biblical love that is being described for us in Ephesians chapter 5. And what Stott is saying here is that during Paul's age, he wasn't coming up with anything new. This wasn't a radical teaching. Of course husbands were to love their wives. But he says this, he says, of course course a certain tie of affection and desire binds every married couple together. And Paul's Stoic or his his Greek contemporaries taught husbands to love. But the verb they used to love was was the weak word for love, philo, phileo, that brotherly type of love. But it was the Christian teaching which introduced the strong, sacrificial, agape love into marriage. That is it, right there. Agape love. 
That's the, the Greek word that we find here in the New Testament, agape. You, you've heard that word all over the place. You've seen churches called agape. But what does it mean? Agape love. That's the type of love we're going to talk, talk about here. And the key here is that agape love, it does something. It, it demonstrates itself. We all know that intuitively. I could tell you I love you all day long. You could tell your spouse you love them all day long and your children all day long that you love them. But unless you actually do something to demonstrate that love, the word is, is empty. Agape love demonstrates itself. It does something. It's, it's sacrificial love. And so the Apostle Paul uses two illustrations or are two analogies here in Ephesians 5 to demonstrate the type of dying love, the type of agape love that a husband is to have for his wife. So a husband really loves his wife by understanding his calling to, one, love her as Christ loved the church. And two, his calling to love and to care for his wife as he loves and cares for his own body. So that's what is illustrated for Christian husbands here in Ephesians 5. The first is, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. We find that in verses 25 through 27. Look with me at, at, those, at those verses. There are, there are five verbs that are here in, this, in these words, these, these, this, these verses. And they correspond to kind of the five stages or the five levels of Christ's love for His church. Look there, Christ loved her. He gave himself up for her to sanctify her, having cleansed her, that he might present her to himself. Look how in-depth, look how expansive, look how expressive it is here, this love that, that Christ has for his church. And then it's like, oh, gee, thanks, Paul. You mean I'm, as a husband, I'm supposed to do that? <laughs> How am I supposed to do that? Many scholars believe that that statement here, he loved her, he gave himself up, he sanctified, he cleansed her, he presented her. Many scholars believe that this is such a beautiful and wonderful expression that it probably came from some ancient or early church hymn or confession or liturgy that was read. All to show that Christ his in-depth, his awesome, his, his expansive love and care for his church, it is from eternity past, and it is going to be completed in the future. Christ loves his church. Christ giving himself up for his church is, of course, the reference here to the gospel. This is the gospel-centered marriage, the gospel-centered love we're talking about, the words that speak to us here. Christ gave himself up for us. He, he died on the cross for our sins. So what greater love could there possibly be? What, what greater love could we imagine than God the Father sending his own son to die? What greater sacrifice could there be than that? A confession to you this morning, I do cry in movies at times. 
And those things that choke me up, <laughs> those, those things that really get me is when you, when you see that sacrificial love demonstrated. That someone would die, that someone would give up something. That's the greatest love of all. And so to understand more fully and to understand more completely the love that Christ has for his church and thereby a love a husband is to show for his wife, Paul goes into depth here. He keeps digging down to show Christ's love for his church. Look what he does there. The first thing, he, he sanctifies or he cleanses her. He also presents her as, as holy and, and in splendor. And so these words that we read in verses 26 through 27, they're, they're meant to bring to your mind a wedding. A, a wedding ceremony is in view here. That's, that's what Paul is alluding to here, particularly the bride. The beautiful bride decked out in white. She prepares for her the wedding. Paul is talking about love and the love Christ has for his church, but this is this is husband love here. This is the way a husband loves his wife. And so the way that Christ loves his church is he, he sanctifies her. He makes her holy. He cleanses her. Notice that all the emphasis here is, is put on Christ. It's, it's Christ doing these things. It's, it's, he is the one who, who makes her holy and beautiful. The church doesn't do this for themselves. Christ does this. He does this by cleansing by the water and the word. And this is a reference here to baptism, which symbolizes the, the, the washing away of sin when we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this, this washing, this cleansing, it's always combined with the word. The word preached. The word of God showing that baptism and God's Word are not to be divorced from each other. They go together. And so Christ, having cleansed His bride by water and the Word, the purpose of all this is so that Christ might present the bride, His church, as holy and without spot, spot or wrinkle, or blemish. It's not hard to, to imagine here, is it? It's not hard to, to see the bride if you've ever been to a, a wedding. This is why the bride wears white. <laughs> this is why she's decked out and beautiful and radiant. To show the, the beauty and the splendor and the, and the spotlessness that she will one day have in Christ. She doesn't make herself white and bright and without blemish. It is Christ who purifies her, making his church bright white. And there Jesus is up at the front, at the altar, the happy groom, smiling from end to end. Wish I'd tried to show our children our wedding video one day, but in VHS you couldn't quite get my smile, but it was there. It wasn't in high definition. It's Christ standing at the front, the happy groom, like at the gates of heaven with His Father. Grinning from ear to ear because He cannot wait for His bride, the church, to come to Him, to take 
the church, his bride for himself. John Stott reminds us, he says, On earth she is often in rags and tatters, stained and ugly, despised and persecuted. But one day she will be seen for what is it, what it is, nothing less than the bride of Christ, free from spots, wrinkles, or any other disfigurement, holy and without blemish, beautiful and glorious. This is what Christ does for His church. He loves her that much. His full-time job is to make her beautiful, spotless, and holy. So what am I talking about here? Marriage or Christ in the church? Yes. There's meant to be this wonderful and intricate interplay going on here. And what Paul is trying to show here, husbands, do you really love your wife? Do you really want to show love, demonstrate love to your wife? Then in everything you do, make her beautiful. Show your sacrificial love for her. And so husbands, the main way you do this, and what Paul is trying to teach Christian husbands here is, you die to yourself. Husbands are called to die to self. What does that mean? How do we do it? Again, Paul is not speaking of a literal, physical death here for earthly husbands. Because we cannot make the ultimate sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ did on behalf of His church. We, we cannot go to that ultimate means to emulate Christ. But, but we can do it by, by dying to ourselves. And for a husband, this often means dying to self-interest. Simply put, this means stop being selfish. Maybe this means, for husbands, maybe you need to take a different job. Maybe the current job or career that you have, maybe it's so all-consuming, maybe it's so stressful and so time-consuming that it's pulling away from you from away from your family and away from your wife. Maybe this means you need to turn off the TV and give your wife your full attention, especially in the fall in football. Maybe this means you need to take your wife on a date instead of your fourth hunting trip this month. When was the last time you took your wife on a date, husbands, and treated her like a lady and showed her that you loved her and that you valued her and that you wanted to spend time with her? And sometimes I have husbands say to me, well, I can't afford to take my wife out or I can't afford to go on a trip with her. And I look at them and I tell them, you can't afford not to. Young men, unmarried men. There's a word here for you too. This means that the way you talk to women, the way you treat sisters in Christ, talked a few weeks ago about like opening the door for them, everything you do, you're called to put her interest ahead of your own. If she wants to eat tofu, don't take her to get a hamburger. Husbands, this means that the next time you're 
you're frustrated. Next time that you're, you're mad at your wife, that you're wrestling with conflict with her and your own heart. This means that you stop and you pray. And you remember the gospel. You apply the gospel to yourself and to your marriage. You remember that God has made you to be the head. God has made you to lead your wife, to love her, to honor her, to cherish her, to serve her. Even when you're right and she's wrong, you do this. Because dying to yourself means to humble yourself, to repent of your own sin, and to lead your wife by loving her and respecting her and see that God has called you to be as Christ to your wife. And so you die to yourself. And this is hard. This is really, really hard. Because we want to be right. We don't want to be wrong. And we don't want to be told what to do. Yet this is what Christ has done for her, his church. He has loved her. He has cherished her. He has led his church when we have been irrational. When we have been foolish. When we have been downright irritable. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Die to yourself. And so, after reading those and studying those verses, it's like, gee, thanks, Paul. (laughs) Who can live up to that? And so he comes down more to our level in verses 28 through 30, when he says, Husbands, love your wife as you do your own body. So imagine this letter being read to the church in Ephesus and the husband sitting there going, and then so Paul graciously responds, let me try something else. Remember how much you love yourself, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that to your wife. This is, this is a big turn from describing Christ's love to his church. Paul now gets very personal. Because Paul's a realist. He knows that we can't fully grasp or even meet the expectation of this high and holy calling of loving our wives as Christ loved the church, so he puts another analogy before us that we're all very, very familiar with, our love for ourselves. We're all really good at taking care of ourselves. This is what he means by loving yourself. He's not meaning looking at them in the mirror and I love you, self. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the way we we love ourselves by the way we care for ourselves. We, We feed ourselves. Men, we're really good at that, right? We, we feed ourselves. We, we clean ourselves, hopefully. <laughs> we, we make sure that we get plenty of sleep. In, in, in general, we, we treat ourselves pretty good. Rarely will you find a man who doesn't do these things for himself. Because the truth is, we, we love ourselves. And so Paul reminds us of these things, and he reminds us that it's not all about me. It's not all about you. 
Because if you're married, or if you're going to be married one day, the two are no longer two. They are one. They are one flesh. And even more so, we are, we are members of one another. We are a body. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And we belong to one another. And so Paul is saying if a husband is neglecting his wife, he's neglecting himself. You're not care- if you're not caring for your wife, you're not caring for yourself. For the two are no longer two, they are one. So husbands, do you, do you want to know how to really love your wife? then in everything that you would do for yourself, do it even more for your wife. Put her interests before your own. So here's some practical ways, husbands, how you can care for your wife. You care for her by being accountable to her. I don't mean that your wife is supposed to be your accountability partner like you would have a brother in Christ who is helping you grow and helping you through struggles. That's not what I mean. One of the things that really disturbs me this day and age is how separate and how different lives wives and husbands are living from each other. What do I mean by that? I mean there should be no secrets in marriage. None. Unless you have top secret clearance and and literally has to do with the safety of our country. Besides that, I can't think of any others. There should be no secrets. There should be no blackout windows in your day where your wife does not know where you are. There should be no passwords, no internet connections, no cell phone, no electronic devices that are, that are hands-off from each other. And I've counseled a husband and wife before when, the, when one of them would look at me and said, she was reading my text messages the other day. I mean, that's my personal stuff. No, it's not. It's not. You're in the wrong office if you're going to use that argument with me. Too often I see distress and troubles in marriages because husband and wives are living individual lives. Because if we truly belong to one another, we we, we should live like it. And this means internet passwords, social media accounts, cell phones. None of these things are off limits to your wife's husband. So that she could love you and protect you. How can she submit to you if there's no honor there? Loving your wife as you love yourself means that you care so much for her that you're no longer just thinking of yourself all the time. That you're putting her before your own interest. And you're seeing what you could do to serve her and love her, and cherish her, and and think that everything that you are doing affects her in some way. 
And so how can you begin to live more like she belongs to you and that y'all belong to each other? Husbands, love your wives as you would yourself. Husbands and, and future husbands, it's, it's simply summed up this way. You're called to die to yourself. That is what Paul means when he says that Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Je- Jesus died to his own interest. So a sneak peek here. I can't believe I'm about to say these words, but Christmas is around the corner. An Advent is coming, and we're going to have an Advent sermon series on the Incarnation. The title is going to be, Thou Who Was Rich Beyond All Splendor. He came down. He died to his own interest. He looked to the needs of his church. He had his eye on his beautiful, glorious bride. And he wanted to do everything for her, even give his life to make her beautiful and without spot or blemish. Husbands, serve your wife. Love your wife. Be willing to die for your wife. Christ dying for us brought us into deep and meaningful relationship with himself. And that's the key to understanding a happy marriage. It's the gospel. The gospel has to be the center of your marriage. You are to love each other in light of the gospel. And this is the beauty of marriage. Marriage is God's way of growing you in Christ, remolding you, sanctifying you, changing you so that you understand more of His love and are able to love one another more completely, more truly, more biblically. Because it's through the gospel that we can truly love one another. It is through the gospel that we learn to forgive each other and serve each other. It's through the gospel that we truly get what marriage is all about. So husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church by leading her, loving her, and giving your life for her. Wives, love your husbands by following his leadership, respecting his headship, Helping him become more and more Christ-like every day. May God help us. May God help us to live out this glorious picture of the gospel called marriage. Let's pray. Lord, I know as a husband, when I read these things and study these things and see these things... Who could possibly live up to these expectations? But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord who has saved us and redeemed us and sanctified us. That as Christ is sanctifying His church and helping her to grow and to be all that she is to be, so too He is working in husbands' lives. And so, Lord, help us men to be godly husbands, to be as Christ to our wives. Give us grace to do so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.